Hello and welcome to Partner 2020, where we showcase interviews and learnings from those on both sides of the Partnerships channel. I'm your host, Alex Glenn, founder of PartnerPrograms.io. Today, I'm joined by Amanda Nielsen, former head of partnerships at New Breed Agency, a diamond tier HubSpot partner, as well as a reseller of Drift, Vidyard, Inside Squared, and others. She grew New Breed's partnerships by 400% in her time there and has spoken at the Inbound Conference as well as taught a class for us here at Partner Programs in our agency MRR Academy found at learn.partnerprograms.io. Amanda is an expert in choosing software partnerships as an agency, betting and discovering what SaaS you should invest your time in and why. So if you are a partner manager, this is a great episode to listen to and learn what agency partner managers look for in your program. I'm excited to introduce Amanda to all of you and hear what she has to say. So let's get started. So Amanda, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi. I'm glad to be here. This is one of my favorite topics. Um, So I worked as a partner marketing strategist for about two and a half years at Newbury Marketing which was a diamond tier HubSpot partner agency um, and a reseller of Drift, Vidyard, Insight Squared, Visible. Um, So in my time at New Breed, I scaled the partner program about 400%. So starting with two partners and then at the time of my tenure or at the end of it, um, we ended with eight. So a lot of experience in the partner marketing ecosystem um, as well as the co-sell referral and affiliate relationships. So super excited to be talking about this. Yeah, me too. So moving on, let's go ahead and dive right into our first uh, discussion topic. And that's really around, you know, what are the differences? So let's lay the groundwork for everybody who's not familiar with some or all of the types of partnerships that you can have with a software provider. Yeah, definitely. So these types of strategic partnerships really come in all different forms. Um, a lot of people think it's strictly limited to co-selling or reselling a piece of software. Um, but there's actually a lot of different levels to it based on your company size, what your goals are, what kind of infrastructure you have in place and so on. Um, so at the top there, you'll see resell and co-sell. That's typically most common. So, um, one really good example is HubSpot's partner ecosystem is a resell base. Um, so HubSpot certified partners have the authority to sell HubSpot to their client base on HubSpot's behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, some companies will have you do like a co-sell relationship, which is similar, but oftentimes it's a collaborative effort between the account manager at the software company and the account manager at the agency. Um, and then second, there's referral basis. So that's essentially referring leads or customers or SQLs um, back and forth with each other. Typically, it's like a handoff process. um, And you'll see like a lot of times you'll submit a form and then it's kind of out of your hands from there and vice versa. Um, Those are super popular. And then affiliate, which is kind of an up and coming um, type of partnership. It's really interesting. It kind of originated in the B2C space with like influencer marketing um, on platforms like Instagram. So an example is when you see an Instagram post and somebody is being paid and they're saying, oh, like use my coupon code for 20% off at this website. Um, And then if you go and purchase an item with their coupon code, um, they get a cut 
of the revenue. So we're starting to see that surface in B2B relationships. Um, so promoting software companies and if you're driving leads or whatever, um, you can get that revenue share, which is pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. And then lastly, co-marketing. So co-marketing can be anything from promoting on social to co-hosting a webinar together, creating an ebook, um, things like that. And that really just helps you establish rapport and uh, establish authority and kind of thought leadership in the space. Yeah. To, like align yourself with brands um, that your customer base respect and look up to. I love it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about co-marketing later in the presentation and uh, what you can do, some interesting things you can do with some partners that allow you to co-market and leverage their audience as well. Um, so, okay, moving on. So, uh, you know, why software and agencies are ideal partners. Um, this is very, very important because, you know, a lot of agencies don't realize how valuable they are to the sale of the software and also the retention of new purchases, new clients, new users of that software. Um, so let's go ahead and talk real quickly about the, um, uh, the symbiotic sort of relationship that's in place for software providers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from the agency perspective, if you're offering any type of consulting or implementation services, you know, you already know how important the tech stack is, right? If you're a web company, like what CMS do you develop on? If you're offering marketing services, what is your preferred marketing automation um, and things like that? Mm -hmm. So really like everything that you can offer as a service is based around some type of software typically. Um, so in that case, it makes a lot of sense from the agency perspective um, as to why having a solid software relationship is really important. Um, conversely, agencies or sorry, software companies, um, the number one enemy of a software company is customer churn and lack of use. So basically having an agency helps the SaaS company make sure that their customer base is actually getting the most out of the product so that their software isn't shelfware, which is kind of like my joke for <laughs> uh, software that kind of gets purchased and then it just sits on a shelf and maybe you only use like one feature. Um, it really helps make sure that SaaS companies can increase the LTV of their customer base. Um, and so on the slide here, you'll see um, that basically the number one way for a SaaS company to scale, and like we've seen it time and time again um, with companies like HubSpot, was one of the very first companies to really achieve a lot of growth from a partner ecosystem. Um, partner ecosystems are really like the next big thing. Um, in SaaS, we see tons of partner management software is emerging and it's becoming kind of this like, I guess, B2B buzzword trend type of thing um, because it's really effective and it's one of the best ways to really get out of the startup mode and start to scale. I love it. So now we know how, what types of partnerships you could have with a software provider and we know why they exist. Give you a little bit of confidence that you are a necessity as the agency reseller in their plans to scale. So it's a mutual benefit. Now let's talk about uh, going out and deciding who to partner with. Um, so there's a lot of ways that you can do this, but let's talk specifically about your experience at the very successful agency new breed and what sort of tactics and tricks and, and processes you had in place there for selecting new software partners. Yeah, definitely. Um, so really, 
it should start with like your your own business, right? So thinking about as an agency, like what services do we offer and what types of software are needed for those types of services? So in my previous position, um, is at a demand generation agency. So we are doing inbound marketing mostly, um, as well as web development and design. So our very first partner relationship was with HubSpot and that was a super, super, and continues to be a super fruitful relationship for Newbury because basically our entire core service offering was centered around the HubSpot platform. So the HubSpot CMS, the HubSpot marketing automation and CRM. Um, and so basically it helped us to get the most out of the relationship. And in turn, HubSpot was getting a lot out of it too because they're selling more and more. Um, our account managers on the customer success side were able to upsell and help customers stay with HubSpot, um, which was really cool. And so, like I was saying earlier, you got to start with really like, what are you using? And does it actually align with the services you're offering? Yeah. Um, so if our expertise was primarily in HubSpot, it wouldn't really make sense to become a Marketo reseller. Um, and it would be very difficult to be an expert in both, even yeah. though both platforms are similar in a lot of ways, um, but really sticking to one and like priding yourself on being like the best agency for X software um, mm -hmm. can be a really great differentiator. Um, obviously in the beginning, you can be kind of a jack of all trades, but like ultimately as you scale your agency, you're gonna wanna have like a preferred tech stack. So making sure you're checking on the boxes and the different, um, I guess, categories of software. So a pros and marketing automation, a CMS, a CRM, um, a BI tool, video marketing tool, um, and so on. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, taking what you've learned about your customer base, your skill set, what sort of niche that you want to be in, whether it's PPC, SEO, you know, tech stack creation management type stuff, and then boiling that down to sort of a hub tool um, is, is definitely something that a lot of agencies have done that really allowed them to scale. So finding that hub tool, whether it's Salesforce, Marketo, HubSpot, uh, Copper is one that's coming up, um, active campaigns becoming a bigger hub tool, uh, finding the integration partners and building sort of that retainer stack, I'm sorry, that retainer around the stack that allows you to scale and allows you to do those repeat sales SOPs using that hub tool and that hub stack. Um, that's really great advice. So thank you for that. Let's move on real quick here. So how to choose your software partner. So we did obviously talk uh, and introduce how to choose your partners. But now what we're talking about here is going into the differences between sort of a mutual partner, then we go into selective, etc. So why don't you tee this up for us and uh, explain what you mean by a mutual partner? Yeah, so the process that we're kind of going to walk through is the decision making process. Essentially, you can make kind of like a fit and interest matrix um, by considering the following things I'm going to discuss here. But above everything, you should make sure that your partner relationships are mutually beneficial. Uh -huh. um, one, it's it's just the right thing to do um, and it's going to be better for you in the long run. Um, so you should really be thinking long term. So where do you want your partner program to be in six years, six months, one year, five years, whatever? Um, and what can you do today to get there? So if your goal is to become, you know, a diamond to your HubSpot partner, yep. 
signing on with Marketo and another marketing automation platform may not make the most sense. Um, and then also like considering whether or not your ideal customer profiles are aligned. So are you planning on moving upstream and starting to sell into an enterprise customer base? Mm -hmm. And in that case, you might want to partner with a software company that does great work with enterprise companies. Mm -hmm. um, and making sure that you are having those conversations with your prospective partners and like mapping out what both of your goals are and making sure that things are going to be aligned for the time to come. Um, and you should be able to easily sell into each other's customer bases. So you want it to be as easy as possible for you to sell their software and for them to refer their customers to you to service their software. Um, so really like, thinking about the firmographics that matter to you. Um, if you only work with certain industries or companies of a certain size or companies on certain tech stacks, um, making sure that those are pretty thoroughly aligned is gonna be really essential for setting you and your partner up for success. Love it, awesome. So moving on here. So we have uh, being selective as our next part of this process. So why don't you articulate what you meant by being selective with your software partners? Yeah, so there could definitely be mutual fit and interest, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should take on a partnership with every single partner hmm. or prospective partner. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, really having those long and short-term goals out in the open, discussing anything like impending mergers or acquisitions or changes in positioning. Um, obviously, you can account for those if you don't know they're coming. Um, we had a partnership with Visible, which was a great partnership, but um, they got acquired by Marketo. So that was kind of a conflict of interest with like our cornerstone partnership with HubSpot. Um, we still worked with them on like a co-marketing basis, and they're awesome awesome team, um, but it just didn't make as much sense for us in the end, and it didn't really make sense for them either. Mm -hmm. um, so trying to hash those things out, and if you can get any type of visibility into big changes like that um, before they happen, that's a really good thing to consider. Um, and then also making sure that you're seeking out the organizations based on the highest fit, but also keeping in mind if you have the infrastructure to support them. So a company, a big SaaS company that has a very robust resell or co-sell program um, is a really high fit for you and you ultimately want to work with them, but maybe you don't actually have the resources or time to resell their software on their behalf. That doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't partner with them. Um, what you should really do in that case is start building that rapport and starting that partnership with like a baby set. Obviously, you don't want to sign yourself into a legal contract saying, you know, you're going to sell this much of our software and then not be able to deliver on it. Um, instead, just being really transparent and saying, hey, like, this is our end goal. Like, we want to be a reseller, but we just aren't there yet. We're building out our partner program. Is there any way that we can work together on maybe a lower involvement basis? Um, so co-marketing or affiliate marketing and things like that. Um, awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Moving on. Uh, the last part of this, let me get up to the top corner here is manage plan. So, uh, before you start this, why don't you go over the quick asterisks, asterisks that you <laughs> yeah. have here, uh, before Definitely. you start. 
So infrastructure is really important. Um, so people, platforms, processes in place, um, and this applies on both sides, obviously. Um, you're working with stakeholders that are outside of your business, just like you know your customer relations. You wanna make sure that you're not leaving your customers unreplied to for multiple days at a time and um, all that. You don't wanna do that for your partners either. Um, so making sure that you have an internal team dedicated to making sure that your partner relations are kept up to par doesn't necessarily mean you need to go and hire a strategic partnership manager, but making sure that there's someone on your team that's kind of specializing in that um, is definitely a good step. And making sure that you really understand your software company's business um, and vice versa. Like you should be able to sell their software just as well as you can or they could. Um, and making sure like you can effectively articulate how your service and their product bundle together um so that ultimately the customer it makes the most sense for the customer to buy them both at the same mm -hmm. time um when you're selling agency services it can be really difficult to be like trying to get someone to invest a lot of money in a service and then try and toss on software in there too and be like well you know, it's a lot, it's a big investment, but if you can really clearly define like why that software is essential to the success of their solutions relationship with you, um, you're gonna be a lot more effective. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'll caveat that. It's, you know, it's, it's really important for you to understand that you need to be a better salesperson than their sales people because of the simple fact that you need those downstream referrals. If you want their sales team to think about your agency while they're on a call with a prospect and to literally make the move from, I'm gonna to try to close this deal to, I'm actually gonna hand this over to Amanda because I know she can get this thing done for us. You have to be a better salesperson than the people internally. And of course, keep those relationships alive at the same time. They have to continually remember you. So just like any other sort of um, branding campaign that you have or, or just a communication campaign, you gotta keep in touch with your partners in that same respect so that those downstream referrals keep coming. Um, okay, so we mentioned that, considering hiring a partner manager, you mentioned that. The sales enablement side of things, any tactics, tricks, anything you can mention around sales enablement? Yeah, so you should be training um, your channel account manager um, just as you would one of your internal sales reps, right? So when your SaaS company partner is talking to, you know, one of their prospective customers and they're deciding whether or not to hand them off to an agency, um, making sure that they're fully equipped with like the knowledge and resources to be able to effectively convey why they should be bundling your services in their software. Um, so sometimes that's providing like a Google Drive full of like sales enablement content, like battle cards and comparison sheets and so on or having a channel account manager who's able to pull you into a call and really you guys can co-sell and um, convey that value in tandem. Awesome, and we mentioned co-selling support, so be available to answer questions, act as a subject matter expert, um, creating peace of mind. Can you mention what you, uh, what you meant by creating peace of mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, so from a services perspective, like, when you're going and you're considering purchasing the software, it's like a similar to the example I mentioned earlier, like it's kind of a huge investment. Um, and if you weren't going into the, the opportunity with the 
thought process of, okay, I'm going to buy with software and I'm going to buy services to go with it. Um, that might be something that someone would be like not very interested in considering probably the intended cost. Um, so if they're planning to spend this much and then, you know, they have a sales rep saying, well, you're really going to benefit if you pay an extra $5,000, um, that might turn someone off. So making sure that you can kind of go in there and confirm with them and provide like peace of mind in terms of like, this is what you can expect with our program. And this is how bundling our services with this software is going to help you get the most out of your investment um, rather than just taking the salesperson's word for it on the software side, if that makes sense. No, it does. That's perfect. So let's move on here. Uh, I'll zoom out a little bit. Um, okay. So we have another section on measuring the success of your partnership uh, program. So, you know, you were internal at the agency, but you didn't own the agency and you weren't the founder. So you had to articulate how you're going to actually make sure that this partnership program is successful, not only for your internal stakeholders, uh, but also for your partners. Uh, we're talking about KPIs for their internal purposes, but then tracking and attribution for the partners. And then there's obviously accounting that rolls up into that. So there's all these stakeholders included in this whole ecosystem of partnerships. And Amanda sat at the epicenter of that. So we're going to talk about how she did it. Um, so creating the proper infrastructure. Why don't we start here? Yeah. Um, so really comes down to like starting with your goals and starting from the end and working your way back to the beginning. So where do we want to be in five years? Um, and really determining like what the steps are to get there and what's a realistic time frame for you to achieve those steps. Um, so from there, you'll kind of figure out like what makes the most sense at that point based on your infrastructure, your internal resources, and so on. Um, and making sure that you're not putting that cart before the horse. So don't take on anything that you can't deliver on, basically. So don't invest in shelfware. Um, you may be super crazy interested in a software product and you think it could be a great fit for your company or your client base. but if it's not getting utilized and nobody's there to service it and develop those best practices and able to kind of bundle a service offering with it, it's not going to be an effective investment for you at that moment. Um, so definitely keeping that in mind and trying to like control your excitement. Um, it can be really cool to be in kind of a partnership position and having all these SaaS companies with these like crazy neat products being like, we want to partner with you. Um, so you can have to <laughs> have some self-control there and really like take things one step at a time. Um, and then third, like starting small and improvising. So if you have no partners, you're not going to need to go invest in a like big software platform for managing a partnership. Um, there's just no need. And so really like being nimble and resourceful as you allow out your partner program is going to serve you really well. Um, so that can be something as easy as creating a Google Drive folder with all the sales enablement um, content that you need, um, rather than investing in like a partner portal. And you can kind of improvise with, you know, your marketing automation, your CMS. So you can create a lead referral form with just like a regular form, as you would for like a webinar registration page or an ebook form. Um, and things like that. And I do have a question. Um, what are some items? I mean, I understand partner enablement from the software side of things, but what from the agency side of things would you consider partner enablement? What types of content would be in that drive? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, like from a software, like a software company was to enable the partner or vice versa. Yeah. So this is the agency's drive, not the partner manager at the software providers drive. Mm -hmm. So this is your drive being an agency um, representative. So what in there would you say is partner enablement for the agency to make sure that sales or uh, referrals are coming? What is the purpose and what are some, some components of that drive? Yeah. Um, so one really important thing is kind of your positioning in the market. So there's tons of agencies out there. Um, that's obvious, but you need to be able to clearly articulate what exactly sets you apart, um, who your ideal customer is. So you don't want your SaaS partner referring you very poor fit leads and then you have to turn them down and say, actually, I'm sorry, like we don't work with that kind of company. So making sure you have documentation on the firmographics and demographics of the types of companies you work with um, so that you don't have to turn anyone away is really important. Um, and then also making sure that you have documentation on how to speak about your company. So I just gotta plug my computer in here. Um, so one example is if you call yourself a demand generation agency and you wanna be branded as we do everything in the whole scope of demand gen, making sure that you're not being referred to as a web agency or an SEO agency and making sure that like everybody's on the same page um, is really important for your brand consistency. So just different pieces of information, um, like I said, very similar to what you would give to your internal sales reps um, to better sell your services. That's awesome. Perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, okay, so now we move on to goal setting from the get go. So this is obviously for more internal purposes, making sure the team is on the same page, making sure the higher ups are confident in you and your program and that this is going to be successful for everyone. Um, so let's talk about goal setting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've been harping on this, but starting from the end and working your way backwards. So starting with your goal um, is one of the best ways to really go about starting any type of initiative, whether it's partnerships, marketing, whatever. Um, so setting those clear expectations and saying, okay, here's what both agency and partner want to get out of this relationship and kind of setting some like smaller, I guess, milestones from there. Um, so say based on your analysis of your customer bases, like maybe you have three customers in common. Um, and so making sure that you can effectively map out from there, like the synergies and set realistic goals from there, if that makes sense. Um, so say you have three customers in common and you want to cross sell three customers each way. So you want to take your SaaS companies, partner or customer base and you want to offer services to three of their customers and then you want to take three of your customers and offer them the SaaS company software to accommodate um so that's just like one example but really like spelling that out and saying like hey we want to do you know x number of sales by this date and being explicit can kind of help you hold each other accountable um, because a lot of times like we'll see people's relationships kind of fizzle out after that deal is made um, and it becomes kind of hard to keep up with things after you kind of get over the initial excitement of like taking on a new partner um, and also like setting up consistent cadence of meetings. So checking with your partner manager like 
bi-weekly um, is a good practice to make sure that you're on the same page, you're still working those accounts and so on. Um, creating accountability is really important. And another way you can do that is by creating a type of contract. So if you're doing monetary incentives, like with a co-sell or resell relationship, um, you're gonna wanna make sure that those contracts are legally binding because you're dealing with money. Um, and then on the other hand, not every single type of co-marketing or partnership relationship has to involve monetary incentives. Um, so what I mean by that is you could be exchanging social promotion of each other or doing a lead share. Um, and while that's obviously not as high stakes as, as your revenue, um, you still want to make sure that you kind of have something you can hold that person accountable to, um, just in case. And so being able to kind of create like a partner contract saying like in exchange for, you know, this many amounts of promotion or whatever it is, um, we'll give you X amount of leads in exchange and really just like spelling it out so that there's no room for interpretation is going to set you both up for success. Um, and then lastly, I'd say setting those realistic goals based on your historical data and not promising on things that you won't be able to deliver on. So if they have really, really, if your SaaS partner is like really amped up and <laughs> wants to set a really aggressive goal and you know that your team is not going to be able to deliver, being straightforward and transparent and saying, look, this is our data. This is how we've done in the past. And based on that, I don't feel comfortable committing to you know meeting this goal. Can we meet somewhere in the middle? Um, is really, it's hard to do, but it's ultimately gonna strengthen the re relationship because, you know, you're gonna be able to actually meet the goal that they set and there will be less hard feelings. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think what you're specifically referring to is as you go up the tiers in the partner programs and a lot of our agencies listening, they may be at tier zero, they haven't chosen a partner program to get involved in. There will be expectations from the software company to keep you at those tiers. And as you move up in the tiers, you get more referrals, you get more benefits for being a part of that ecosystem. So um, you're going to want to know that in advance and have your goal setting and have your goals uh, specifically related to what that tier looks like and what you're trying to achieve and what you need to do and have in place to get to those next tiers and make sure everybody's on the same page. So that was a super valuable side. I added some text here, by the way, uh, mapping out your customers between a partner. Um, you can do this between agencies, uh, between you and a software partner and um, some of the non-agency customers that you may have in your ICP. You can use uh, tools like Crossbeam, I think it's getcrossbeam.com or PartnerTap to look at your um, data and, and decide who you have that they don't have and vice versa, who they have that you don't have in your database. All right, so moving on, super important tracking. You know, how does all this work? Let's talk about first and foremost, the MVP tracking system, and then we'll move on to a more um, software-based, uh, specific software-based tracking system. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like I said, starting small, no need to invest in any type of partner management software. Um, there's a lot of easy, hacks and and tactics to be able to track the effectiveness of your partner programs um so referral codes um if you're partnering on an affiliate basis and you're trying to get people to register for your in-person event um sending them a custom affiliate code and every time somebody redeems a ticket with that code 
you'll see that it was attributed by that partner. Um, similarly with tracking URLs. So if you're trying to drive traffic to a page, um, giving that partner a tracking URL can give you insight into just how many people they're actually driving, how many of them converted, and so on. Um, and then there is lead registration. So I mentioned this earlier, but something as simple as like a form on a landing page where they submit that leads information and their name and their company um, can be a really easy way to just receive referrals without having to actually invest in a whole portal. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. Perfect. Um, no questions around that. Now let's talk about specific attribution. So we're talking about attributing this lead to that partner or uh, vice versa. So why don't you go ahead and give us the lay of the land for what is attribution and what are the components of monetary versus non-monetary compensation? Yeah, so when structuring your, your partner programs and figuring out the incentives, you need to figure out how much attribution each initiative is gonna get. Um, and so in that case, the monetary compensation usually comes into play. So if you're taking referrals um, and that person that is referred by your SaaS company actually becomes a customer, how much of that deal do you want to give to them? Um, figuring out if you want to do a flat rate, say like $50 for every deal closed, or you know 5% of every deal closed um, based on what makes the most sense for you financially. Obviously working with your finance team to figure out what's actually going to be sustainable. There's also like a lot of data that you can look up online um, in terms of partner pricing and incentive um, structures. And so also considering whether or not you're going to have that be like a renewal based um, incentive. So is it just one time or is it every single time that customer renews, they get a little bit of compensation or vice versa. Um, and then also considering whether or not you want to do penalty for churn. Um, this is a little bit less common, but there's definitely some SaaS companies out there that will actually take money away from you um, if you let one of their customers churn. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, and then non-monetary compensations are obviously a really good place to start if you don't have a partner infrastructure in place yet. Um, and it's good for affiliate, referral, marketing. Um, things like lead shares. So for every referral you submit, we'll you know, refer this many people back to you. Um, promotions, so we'll promote your webinar and our newsletter X times a year um, and things like that. There's just different ways that you can kind of help each other. Um, backlinks on websites to boost domain authority, that's a really good one too. Um, swag gifts are kind of fun as well. So. That's really good for like affiliate programs. Um, Drift is a good example of a company that does that very well. They'll send out emails and say, you know, tweet this and they'll do like a link and then they'll send a t-shirt to you. Um, so that's a really easy way to get people talking about your brand and kind of doing the work for you. Um, and it's really creative actually. Like I haven't seen that many companies doing the like actual physical swag items. Um, so definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah, and um, I'll just, um, yeah, I'll step in here for just a second before we move on to KPIs. Uh, two more slides left, but um, you can think about this as an agency to help develop the infrastructure for your partnerships with other agencies, non-competitive agencies. So you do still need 
tracking and attribution and incentives if you're partnering with a non-competitive agency and sharing leads. Um, and then obviously from the software company as well, you want to make sure that that partnership is, is worthwhile for you and your agency and you're getting the downstream referrals and, and, and you are incentivized to do that. So think about both those two relationships in either case, as you scale both of those, your partners are going to want to know who's come through the funnel, where they're at, all of those questions around attribution, um, totals, all those things. And it's good to have a PRM, but definitely at the MVP stage, you will not need one. Your partners will have UTMs on all the links they provide you. You'll have landing pages about your partners and the incentives for anyone coming through those funnels. So you'll have all that in place, but just know if it is gonna be a bigger part of your agency going forward. Um, look at uh, both those sides of the relationship and they can both be managed inside of one PRM. So thank you for that, Amanda. And uh, we're almost done. Sad, but this is a great, um, great way to end. You know, your KPIs, your key performance indicators, what you're going to track in this whole partnership ecosystem. So let's talk about that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, for the third time here, again, starting with your goals and figuring out um, what the KPI is going to look like based on what you want to accomplish. Um, so it could be leads generated if you're doing a non-monetary um, exchange and really like trying to drive webinar registrants, right? You're not going to convert a customer from you know a webinar, so you're not going <laughs> to hold yourself accountable to tracking customers generated, you're gonna look more so at leads and lead qualification. So how many of them are qualified, how many of them booked a demo after or booked a consultation. Um, one step further, you can look at it from the pipeline perspective. So actually tracking down to the dollar amount, um, how much that partner has influenced your bottom line. Um, and you can do that with a number of different tools. But again, that really relates mostly to the co-sell or resell relationships where you're dealing with actual monetary incentives, um, backlink metrics. So how much has your domain authority increased in relation to the number of backlinks you've received? Um, how much has your traffic increased by referrals and so on? Um, there's a lot of different ways to measure the success, but really it all boils down to what you're looking to get out of the relationship and what your strategy and tactic is. Yeah, and I, I added this last part here because um, of a conversation that I just had with the CEO of Databox, Peter, uh, who actually founded HubSpot's partner program. He was the guy behind that successful program, probably arguably the most successful partnership program of all time. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so one of the things they do very well is this uh, co-marketing incentive. So that's where you have backlink metrics, referral tracking from those links those kinds of you know they're they're monetary but they're not monetary and you can use seo tools uh to monitor like you said domain authority those kinds of things so databox has done this really well for databox and their partners they offer the ability to um, publish on their blog for example which it doesn't have immediate monetary incentives but as databox grows your article gains more traffic and you get more um, more and more traffic um, and, and leads that way. And then one thing that just came to mind while we were talking about this, you know, is the, is the attribution of the full funnel and where the attribution stops with regards to different types of relationships and where it falls on your desk versus your partner's sales team or CS team, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely be weary of the partners that 
have really strong requirements around the retention of the referrals that you provide. But if you're not the one actually onboarding those clients and maybe you're just selling into their software and you have no management of the account past that. Mm -hmm. um, so you are a referral partner, but you don't have like a retainer to manage that client on an ongoing basis, but you are um, adversely incentivized to uh, manage them or you're, you're penalized if they do a trip. Um, be careful of that relationship. And that's also another reason why you want to have really strong reporting on your side. So you can say, Hey, you know, this is how many people I've driven to your salespeople. Here's maybe even the salespeople that those accounts are now in control of. And if you're having attrition issues, it's, it's it maybe something to do with one or two of those salespeople involved um, in the sale and not on me. Um, so look at that. Definitely look at co-marketing relationships, non-monetary relationships with your partners. Um, as an agency, especially if you're a new agency, that may be your only weapon. You don't have a lot of clients. So you go to these partners and you say, I'm a great writer or we, we create great video content. Uh, I was just talking to Gabriel and I'll, I'll share a link to what he's up to, but he's doing some awesome video content for Wistia and their new soapbox um, um, setup. So stuff like that, that he can do and he creates great content. He gets a ton of traffic. They publish it and promote it and it's a win-win scenario. So definitely awesome. Okay. Uh, well, unless you have anything else to mention that we forgot to mention, now's the time. Otherwise contact information for Amanda is here. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Alex. That was really fun. And, um, if anyone has questions, feel free to give me a shout on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter and all that good stuff. So yeah, it was a pleasure. Awesome, Amanda. Thank you very much for the time. Look forward to um, getting some feedback on this class. So reach out to Amanda, let her know how it was for you and your agency and any follow-up questions that you have, shoot them to uh, Amanda or, or us at Partner Programs, either way. Thank you so much. Take care, Amanda. Bye.